Merry Christmas, boys and girls! As is now traditional, Santa. Santa's here with Christmas <laughs> One More Go. How have you been good at video games this year? I've been better than you have, Santa. Yes, that's accurate. To but it. Very naughty of you to point out. And on that Christmassy note, welcome to the One More Go Christmas special. Yeah, let's put those away. Yeah, put those away. That's, that's enough of that. Merry Christmas, Nicole. Merry Christmas, Barry. It's good to see you at this festive time of year. And we've been we've seen each other a lot today. We spent the last oh good five six, six hours just playing playing some uh, two player games to to talk to you, lovely. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very special episode. We're looking at cooperative play. So, you know, we've been in the spirit of uh, friendship. We've been sitting together, perched on the end of Barry's bed, arms locked, like each holding half of the other's control pads in a beautiful state of cooperative gameplay. And Nicole was pretty good. Credit to team. Yeah, well, no, well, um, we split the game sort of like down the the level once we were going to talk about it. You were better at Turtles. Yeah. Spoilers. Oh yeah. Well, should we say what's what's coming yeah, up? Yeah. Um, the four games we picked were uh, Bubble Bobble. That's right. And then uh, Gunstar Heroes from the Mega Drive. And Ganbari Goyman Two. And and Turtles in Time. Yes. So we will get to those uh, very soon. But we got a lot to get through mm-hmm. uh, this Christmas episode. So uh, first of all, talk a wee bit about what we've been doing. Um, you might have seen it, but if not. What we've been doing is humiliating humiliating our good mates Bitsocket. We did a Bitsocket versus for them at Saturn Bomberman and very predictably we won. Just sauntered through. Me and Barry were both incredibly hungover that day as well. It was only, we only played best of three so it's not like they had much time to warm up but it was a very convincing victory, I'd have to say. I think it's kind of flawed, their whole format. They get, like, the challenger to choose the game. Aye. Not they are going to pick something we're bad at. Like. Yeah. Well, like, all the time, the challenger's going to have at least played that game before, and they're just sitting there. Well, as as regular listeners will know, both Joe and Scott played uh, Saturn Bomberman in our 10th episode spectacular. But Joe was pretty good. Yeah. Well, but I think this time he brought too much hubris and not enough skill, and he definitely paid for it. Absolutely. Oh, either that or he was worrying too much about actually capturing the video. I think the only game Joe's ever beaten me at was FIFA. <laughs> we played FIFA on the PS4 down in London and he, he beat me. That is a Pyrrhic victory. Right, too, right. Hollow as fuck. So I go and check that out. Um, it's up on the Tumblr, it's up on Bitsocket's YouTube. And if for some reason you listen to us and you're not familiar with Bitsocket, you should go and check them out because they make awesome videos. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially right have... now because they'll be right in the middle of their uh, ah, 12, 12 videos, videos of Christmas and uh, yeah they did like a Mario vs Sonic thing today that mm. I haven't watched yet but I'm assuming it's great they have one thing I'd say about Bitsocket if you're not familiar is they have pretty great taste in video games so mm-hmm. that's the, you, you can trust their opinion absolutely so um, well, let's um, let's yeah. move on like something quite momentous in UK video game culture happened uh, over the last few weeks uh, Charlie Brooker unleashed like the unofficial voice of UK video games it seems to be the unofficial haircut of UK video games <laughs> unleashed his uh, nah 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 Matt Lees is the unofficial haircut <laughs> of UK video games I'll take that back uh, Case of McDonald's fuming at you right now I don't know pretty good haircut yeah um yeah, but uh, how video games changed the world is uh, the name of the documentary, and it was just a list of uh, the video games that have been influential throughout. And I, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Why did you think, Barry? Come on, man! Long pause. You, you, yeah. Long pause. What did you think, Barry? Like you've already know what I think, <laughs> and the look on your face. I thought it was kind of boring, to be honest. 
Well, I, I think... It wasn't... I mean, like you, like you were saying, it was made for people that knew about games and for people that didn't know about games. And for the first half, I thought it was pretty good, but I, I just kind of got a bit bored with it. I think probably they went into it with I'm best intentions. Be a, I'm not trying to be like a dick or a snob. It was fucking crap. No, but it was good. Like I think it was great that it was on TV. I just honestly found myself a wee bit bored by the end. I think that's the problem. Like they went into it with the best of intentions. Like the people who made it are obviously like really like fantastically well-known uh, video games writers and people mm. who can produce lots of great content. Um, and I think they probably went into it like really wanting to explore the history and, and talk about what was important to gamers. Mm-hmm. But then during the process of getting it on TV, I'm sure many, many like um, execs sort of went, um, and what is Pong? Uh, yeah. And they, they sort of went, oh, right, let's get back to brass what tags. Is, what is Parappa the Rapper? Yeah, what, he what was is, in there, but all yeah. Parappa on the telly. But well, you see, that's the thing. Like they, they stage it as like a list of 25 games that were important milestones in the history of the development and I think for the most part they got it right. Um, I mean, things like Mario Brothers is in there, Monkey Island, Street Fighter, Parappa, uh, Tomb Raider, Grand Theft Auto Three. Um, some of them a little, little more tenuous. Um, I, I think the only thing that was the only things that were really missing. I see why they just chose the first Mario Brothers as the sort of you know to represent that whole right. overarching lineage. But in my opinion. You'd have to have Mario 64 in there as the first proper 3D game. Absolutely. Um, It felt like there were times when there were games that weren't included, I was like, oh, well, I can forgive it because the TV show is called Video Games That Changed the World, mm -hmm. not Video Games That Changed Gaming. But there were games in there that didn't do much to the wider world. So it kind of jumped between the two, I think. Games that were like big world changers and games that were more sort of introduced a new genre, perhaps. But yeah, I yeah. think I think uh, Mario sixty four was. Yeah, I mean, I think that's quite, fair to say. quite a glaring like, omission, to be honest. But. Shadow of the Colossus, I think, sort of stands out most clearly as an example of what you're talking about because it's a phenomenal game. Mm. But I don't think like its cultural impact is anything like, say, a Call of Duty. And the fact that they were saying that they had to cut the Dark Souls content, it's like, yeah, Dark Dark Souls changed the world, really did. We were dangerously skirting towards the end of our no Dark Souls policy on ah, this. Yeah. So uh, let's just this. leave it there, like. But yeah, um, the one other thing I thought, and they they touched briefly on when they were talking about Tomb Raider about like the the expansion of PlayStation at the sort of uh, student post club lifestyle. Yeah. But I think you you have to put in something like Wipeout or possibly even Resident Evil is the games that really did that. And uh, well, you lived it, so yeah. <laughs> and on the back, how on the money was that? Did you just take a lot of Ekis to play that Wipeout when I was fourteen? I. <laughs> Crazy, crazy days. We live in Scotland. Yeah, Fourteen-year-olds were definitely taking Ekkies in the nineties. Yeah, none of them were called Nickel though. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> what was I going to say? It's, oh, a shame none, none, it's a shame that none of those ones were having sex or called Nickel either. Like, <laughs> those ones that were kissing girls. Um, touche. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, you've taken a, taken a stagger here, Luke. <laughs> Would you like a minute to compose yourself? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, um, no Final Fantasy VII, which, like, as we dedicated a whole show to last week, you'd have to say that had well, a pretty big impact both within and without. I remember it having a big impact, and but I, I wasn't like, oh, there's no FF7. What I thought was strange is, like, there were no real RPGs, to be honest. Well, Apart World from of Warcraft. Wild, if, like, but, yeah. but an MMO, come on. An MMO that took everything that was already established by pre-existing RPGs and just put it online. Yeah. I was half expecting Skyrim to be in there, like 
<laughs> well, you know, if they were even considering Dark Souls, yeah. Right. But, well, you know, if you are going to go for an RPG, what would you pick? Because, like, how have RPGs affected anything other than RPGs? I suppose you could argue Grand Theft Auto takes a lot of RPG elements. A lot of games now, everything has an experience system, level-up systems, mm-hmm. like... First-person shooters have that now. So, But no, you're right. How do you pick one title? I mean, do you put Dragon Quest on Channel 4 and everyone's like, what? Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, do you start with, like, Rogue? Why is Rogue? Ah, you know, you're right. So, no, I thought it was weird that there were RPGs missing, but I do agree. I mean, what what would you even say? It was a good TV show, though. Like, yeah. It was good that it was on telly, and it was some of their talking heads were great. Like, Yeah, the, the Guardian video game writer, whose name uh, escapes me at the moment, was pretty good. Uh, a good sort of just impassioned defensive. I think Minecraft. what someone that writes for the Guardian just think up a name. Keith Davis, I think his name is. I think it sounds like someone that writes for the Guardian. <laughs> you, you've done it. <laughs> yes, I've just like um, spawned like a, a a regen Guardian writer. Oh, well done. Um, and the last thing, of course, was the um, the claim that Twitter is a video game, which pretty tenuous. They basically put that in so could publicly be like, I'm not actually a dick, by the way. <laughs> it's the, the validation for that entire section. like, well, You know, just bros doing bros are solid. No, but, you know, not. I did like that basically all the talking heads for that bit were like sort of people going, oh, well, I suppose it is, Charlie, yeah. Yeah? Wasn't sold. But, yeah, um, so, good. Good. Aye, aye. I bet, uh, I bet uh, one more go news here, something that crops up every three or four episodes. The Retron 5 has, uh, has been delayed. <laughs> um, the release of it's been pushed back to quarter one 2014 due to some faulty pins discovered in some units, which is actually a good thing, because if they've discovered something like small-scale hardware issues and they've recalled the entire thing, you know they're going for a quality product at least. Yeah, well, if this is one of those companies that are making those like handheld Mega Drives that you can buy out of Argus for 30 quid, there's no Whoa, way they would have recalled my, it. Oh my, oh my, oh <laughs> my. Um, Final Fantasy VIII has put in an appearance on Steam over the last week. Oh, good. Um, interestingly, when we discussed Final Fantasy VII, um, we talked about how the Steam version had horrible music and it needed to be patched. Um, I didn't realise at the time, but they actually released officially a patch that replaced the music. So the FF7 music on Steam is now fixed. For some reason, though, they've released Final Fantasy VIII with just the same shitty general MIDI music. That's bad. Why have they done that? They know that people are going to just patch it out, and they did that officially to FF7. Why? Why have they done that? Uh, yeah, because, I think. So that's it. From what I'm aware, though, it looks pretty good, because FF8 is one of those games that looks horrible when you try and play it on a modern TV. Is that right? Is that it looks one terrible. Really... It's worse than FF7 does. Oh, dear. Because they've tried to go... Because the character models are supposed to look more realistic, they just look like a horrible... Oh, they're not quite as kawaii in game. No, they're, they're, they're like quite, quite anime, they're quite bishy, and they look horrible. I've, I've told this story before when my mom was like, what are you playing? That looks horrible. And it was FF8. So there you go. More approved FF8 <laughs> on Steam now. Um, one final shout out for uh, Sega 3D Classics, yeah. which have now appeared on the 3DS eShop. Uh, as this podcast goes out, I believe, uh, Space Harrier, Super Hang-On, Sonic the Hedgehog, Altered Beast, Echo the Dolphin, and Galaxy Force 2 are available. With uh, Shinobi 3, Streets of Rage still to come. And they announced Afterburner um, for Japan as well. So uh, more Sega 3D classics to come. Um, I imagine we'll probably talk about those next month once we've had a proper shot of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
um, anything that makes it easier to get a hold of these games, especially like they're not all just the usual suspects that are on the Mega Drive collections. No, you're as right. well is uh, pretty nice. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, not right now, thank you. Nope. We've got four games to talk about, so we should probably press on. We do, um, and the first of those games is Bubble Wobble. Bubble 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 Barry, tell us about Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble is a game very, very dear to my heart. Uh, my dad's favourite video game. That's to, to show you what good, kind of yeah. upbringing I had with Bubble Wobble. But uh, for those of you that haven't seen the most kawaii dragons in the world, I'll fill these in. Uh, Bubble Bobble, action platforming classic, developed, released by Taito in 1986. Um, and since its initial release in arcades in the 80s, it's been ported, remade for an innumerable amount of platforms. Like, if you own it, it can play Bubble Bobble. Uh, a bit about the story. Um, you play as Bob and Bob, who are two lads originally called Bobby and Bobby, who are uh, turned into bubble dragons by an evil curse. So, um, But unfortunately, Bobby was already cursed by his parents with the name <laughs> Bobby. Uh, the main goal of the game, you need to rescue Bob and Bob's girlfriends, known as Betty and Patty, respectively. Uh, from a giant bottle-throwing drunkard known in Japan as Super Drunk, which I'm a big fan of. As a child, I'm sure I was told he was a wizard because he holds, like, a crook and he has his hood up in that. Right. And I was always told, I he's a wizard. But so no. you think he's just a shepherd now? Maybe. He's an alky, like, that, that throws empty bottles of whiskey at you. So, <laughs> Will they get this podcast in the country? Can we say that shepherds are all alkies? I don't know. Nah, I think we're probably... Well, nah, we should probably stop messing with things that we don't know that much about. <laughs> it's like the Trun incident all over again. Interestingly, Bubble Bobble is notable for being one of the first examples of a game with multiple endings. There'll be, there'll be one for like completing on one credit and stuff like that. Ah, eh? I'd imagine so. Uh, each player controls one of your Bubble Dragons, either Bub or Bob, uh, or we heroes. They can, they can move along platforms... Uh, jump up a platform just your standard platforming mm -hmm. for anyone that doesn't know what it looks like it's sort of a confined square every yeah. level is in but it's kind of pac-man-y as well because if you fall off a bottom pit you come out the top yeah totally you go down um, the bottom you come out the top it's an infinite um, you, you can't go from one side to the other side though so yeah. it's an infinite screen top to bottom um, the key gameplay mechanic is as the name would suggest blowing bubbles um, these can trap enemies so an enemy comes up you blow, blow a bubble at them and they get caught inside the bubble uh, you need to do. You kill the enemies by destroying the bubbles, either by jumping on them or popping them with the spines on your head or your back. And um, you can also do some other stuff with the bubbles, like you can bounce on them to yeah, get you can to use some sort of makeshift platform. Yeah, to get but to inaccessible a, parts. There's a risk level. reward thing from when you like. You know, you're you're uh, you're compelled to capture the enemies as quickly as possible. Aye. but you don't necessarily burst those bubbles as quickly as possible, do you? Correct. You can chain bubbles together as long as they're in close proximity and you burst one of them it'll burst them all for higher points gains um, you complete a level once you've bubbled and killed all the enemies um, there are other types of bubbles as well other than just the ones that you blow that they float down from the top of the level um, you get extend bubbles which have a letter of the word extend and once you pop them all you get a continue 
There are also bubbles that contain water, which kind of creates like a wee torrent that yeah. flushes you and enemies so down the cascades level. Cascades across the, the platforms. Every level mm. has a different platform layout, we mm. should mention. Some of them are more difficult to traverse than others. Some of them have words made out of platforms like popcorn. And bubble. Bubble. Yeah. Some of them are a big love heart, which makes it really difficult to get inside and get totally. the enemies. Um, you get electricity bubbles too, which shoot bolts across mm. the screen. Yeah. And uh, fire ones, which drop fire funnily enough and uh, it kind of spreads it stuns you but instantly kills enemies um, this is the cool thing like the really cool thing I think as well as bubbles uh, you can pick up a huge variety of items like there are over 60 items you can get mm-hmm. um, these vary from sweets which affect your bubble blown abilities like the speed you can blow bubbles speed and the, the capacity uh, the range um, umbrellas which are like stage warps Depending on the color, they warp you a certain number of stages. Warps um, are big, big news in like sort of uh, classic early is um, uh, arcades, like uh, getting through the screens because every game is just like a certain amount of screens. A hundred, hundred screens in Bubble Wobble. And um, you know when you're paying for all those screens, like being able to skip thirty of them is a is a big business. I'm fairly sure this is a game that penalizes you if you do warp, you don't get the best ending. Well, you know, do you want to get it to? Do you want an ending? Exactly. Do you want any ending? Um, you can pick up uh, stuff like crosses, genie lamps and that too, and necklaces which do a variety of things from making stars cascade from the top of the screen to giving you fire breath to making you go faster. To making your uh, pick-up treats big. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally. Giant food. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you get fruit and stuff like that just for points and there's, like White Barry said, sweeties uh, improve your, your powers. But I like there's one... Power up that just makes the food bigger, which mm. means more points, but also means you get more excited because it's a big cake. Mm. You die quite a lot in Bubble Wobble, which means when you die, you lose your power ups, which can be pretty frustrating. Yeah, I think we could have pretty much covered that by saying it's an early 80s arcade game. You Aye, die a lot. This is a game a specifically designed to take your money and take your money quickly. As if, the, as if the enemies aren't bad enough, there's a time limit too. And once the time limit reaches a certain level, all the enemies turn red and they start moving faster, which A, makes it harder. But then there's another secondary time limit. And when that runs out, you're treated to the, the horror that is Baron Von Blubber. <laughs> who's a skeletal whale that you can't kill and who chases you around the level. But yeah. he can only move horizontally and vertically, so by no means a sudden death thing. But, but he's still terrible. relentlessly tracking you down. And like, pretty just terrible. the normal whales are pretty horrible to fight They anyway. are. I mean, there are a lot of different enemies. I think there are like eight or nine, nine or ten maybe types of enemies, and they all have different attack patterns, different movement speeds. and Yeah, but the whales, weirdly, are the most agile, the quickest members they're, they're the most annoying the spring guys are really annoying but and the the guys wizards that, that fire cookies at you called stoner in the western version all right okay ah, they do it looks like cookies but rocks apparently guessing it must be boulders Aye, totally so yeah i mean we, we played that today we played it two player um certainly on two players maybe a bit easier than it is on one player because y- you're still fighting you still have the exact same level conditions yeah there's Just, not there more enemies yet. or anything like that uh, and this is like a true co-op game in that once you both understand it, there's a capacity for, for tactics for sort of like ah, saying like, like you stay down there and draw their fire while I'll uh, throw some bubbles exactly. down this way. Enemies do follow you around the levels as well. Like the, the AI is kind of rudimentary, but there's AI present. So And there's some good sort of circumstances where like you can't necessarily bubble the enemies. Like Barry was saying about that lightning attack which sort of spits out uh, horizontally. Mm. So there'll be certain level layouts where like an enemy's like trapped in a deep pit. 
So what you've got to do is um, sort of stand at the top of the pit and time it to crack the lightning bubble just as the enemy's in its path mm. and destroy it that way. And, you know, you've got to rely on your partner to be bubbling the other enemies and making sure your uh, your way is clear. We got um, we got to stage th- round, sorry, we got to round 33 today, mm-hmm. which may sound like, we oh, we got a third of the way through, pretty good, but the last third... I can count on one hand how many times I've completed Bubble Bobble in my entire life. Because we had this game for the Atari ST, so I've been playing it mm-hmm. for that long. And It's been your old dad sitting you down and going, this is video games, son, this is video games. Pretty much, it's a, a really hard game. The last third is very, very hard. But definitely something that we recommend to play now. Is like, I mean, it's, aye, aye. It's, pretty, it's pretty basic. You can say it, man. Arcade perfect. It's... Mm. Such a great idea. This is what we were saying. Mm-hmm. All the games in that series, like Bubble Wobble, uh, Rainbow Islands, Parasol Stars, great core gameplay concepts. Mm-hmm. It's like you shoot bubbles at enemies. What a fucking amazing idea. Yeah, because, you know, like, it, I mean, the bubble neutralizes them, but then, like we said, you've got the risk reward of when do you pop the bubbles. Right. In some cases, you, you encase the enemy and they start floating up to the top of the screen and it's actually more dangerous to go after them to try and burst it because they're why, being patrolled by enemies that you... Once the yeah. bubbles do burst as well, if you leave them for too long, they're red when they come out. So yeah. Angry and fast. Exactly. And ready um, for blood. Good music, though. Yeah. Bubble Bobble. The one, well, there are, I think there are two bits of music. Mm-hmm. Three if you count the Baron Von Blubber appearance theme, but the main theme from Bubble Bobble is a, cla- a relentless classic. I would say this... You know, out of all these sort of games that you would think about if I said to you earlier it's like you would go Pac-Man Donkey Kong Bomb Jack these mm. sort of things I'd say Bubble Bobble holds up the best aye definitely like like the the dynamics like the the rush reward like we said like the tactics that you have to use it's all like Pac-Man's fun for like three screens and then you know unless you're you know one of those Aspie guys on King of Kong or going well, after high scores it's this is the thing about Pac-Man I mean there are modern versions of Pac-Man which a bunch of us have played that are amazing but because they've added a bunch of stuff over the years mm-hmm. whereas every time you try to do that to Bubble Wobble it basically gets worse like like I said there are innumerable remakes of Bubble Wobble and there, there are sequels too like Bubble Memories Bubble Symphony are like proper sequels that are really good but normally the ports the remakes the best stuff is the original arcade version. Ported. I mean, that's the the most yeah. refined one. I mean, like the best modern version. Like, the best thing they can do with those characters now is just keep making busted move games and just leave Bubble just Bobble, leave Bobble, Bobble where Bobble it is. Alone. Bubble Wobble Revolution, I think, might have been one of the most recent ones yeah. for the DS, which was horrible. Oh, really oh that's horrible. a shame. But, but, well, what version did we play? <laughs> well, I had, I did want to play. There was a Bubble Bobble came out for the DS in Japan, which had the arcade version ported into it, which had wireless multiplayer, which mm. I thought would have been really cool. But um, in the 90s, uh, Probe and Acclaim ported the arcade one to the PS1 and the Saturn. And how did they make best use of the PlayStation's power? <laughs> Basically, from, what, from the credits we looked at, Pretty much 80% of the staff worked on the, C- the FMV intro, yeah. which we'll be making a gift set of because it is fucking unbelievable. It's like, picture, you know what the bubble dragons look like. Yeah, yeah. Well, even if you've never heard of this game before, if you've paid any attention to video games, you'll you'll see these guys and recognise them. They're title mascots through and through. Oh, what, and it, what with this hideous off-model... Hideous CG... Nonsense, really quite terrible. 
Oh, but I mean, that, I mean, that's the whole reason we played this version, though, is because I wanted to. I wanted you to see that intro. And you know, I feel like a better person for that having happened to me. So thank you. It's a pretty faithful port, though. One of the best ones. Um, yeah, the actual game, and like we had like quick blasts of uh, Rainbow Islands as well, and that was uh, gorgeous too. Yeah, totally. So yeah, if you want to play it, which I would heartily recommend, I'd say two player, best way to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, it maybe the kind of game that if you're not the kind of person that likes arcade games, it might not have enough going on to hold your attention coming in it as a one player. But if you're playing it two P, I think it's a lot, a lot of fun. Because I mean, even though we stopped after one through, I could have happily played it again. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, like the um, the cooperation, the tactics are a big part of it. But then there's also the fighting over power ups mm. and the uh, um, messing up a level and things like that. It's 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 one of those great co op games that are as much rivalry as they are cooperation. And uh, exactly, yeah, it's a it's a lovely experience as long as you've got somebody like Barry to share it with you. Too right, an arcade classic. So play that, please. Yes. So what's up next? Next we're going to talk about Gunstar Heroes. about Gunstar Heroes. Alright then, I will. Gunstar Heroes is a Mega Drive game coded by The Glorious Treasure, uh, released in September 1993. A very, uh, well, on the surface, a very traditional, straightforward, run-and-gun, left-to-right, runny, shooty, shoot-em-up platform thing. Mm. If you if you think about uh, Metal Slug, you'll be in the right head zone. Metal Slug or uh, Probotector or Contra. Yes, Contra to non-layman. <laughs> well, Probotector, we, we all we all knew and loved Probotector until we knew and loved better. Yes. Um, the um, the overarching story is uh, confusing and uh, vague. Yeah, it was kind of weird. There was, I think, like the opening line of dialogue was like, "We have to stop him," and then it's like, "Who's him?" It's, it's M Bison. It, like, it looks like M Bison. Nice. It sounds and tastes like M Bison, but it's not him. Weird. It's uh, some guy who's stolen some gems of unspecified power that uh, only the Gunstar heroes, Red and Blue, can uh, get back with their mighty guns. Is that their names? Red and Blue? Yeah, Red and Blue. Mm. And there's a bad Gunstar, who's green, who uh, is a boss later on. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, um, four stages uh, initially uh, mm-hmm. for each of the gems, which you can tackle in any order. A sort yeah, of cool. bit of a vanilla grasslandy sort of level. Uh, dynamic minecart level but wait it's not just your normal 90s minecart level there's a uh, like two parallel tracks at the top and bottom of the screen that you can double jump between for mm. for twice the minecart that uh, worked really well on two player it did it did because you you were able to sort of take one edge of the screen each and uh, yeah 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 it's tactical. cool because you start off and it's like horizontal it's like a, and then one person go at the top one person at the bottom but then it changes to like a yeah, they're shafts. A vertical shaft. So that was pretty cool. It's a really cool level. We do like a good shaft here in one more go. Uh, then there's a third stage is um, with the enemy take off in an airship and you've got to run up and catch it. And uh, on top Aye. of it, the 
M. Bison standing on the wings of a plane or a bomber and you've got to tackle him there and then oh god there's all sorts going on I thought that that, that stage looks particularly great I thought like graphics and the whole thing are really good but that looks like a, like a Neo Geo game that stage I think to be honest that's the first thing most people think about this game and it's the thing that people most remember it created such a stir at the even time even the title screen the big spinning logo on the title it's like, oh yeah, yeah absolutely there's, there's lots of pseudo 3D going on in this mm. um Lots of uh, lovely set pieces with bosses. There's about three, four odd bosses in every stage, and they're all sort of themed around those. But like, brilliantly made up. Loads of them made up like lots of little different sprites. Um, like the first sort of major boss that you come across is uh, like a big running man made out of blocks. Very uh, reminiscent of uh, the Res Stage Three boss of uh, if you're uh, if you're nasty. But um, oh, that was really good. That's like I. I mean, there was the the weird sort of three D looking clown face that we briefly fought as well. That oh, yeah. d- doesn't attack you, but just floats around looking kind of three D and cool. Well, he's part of another zany set piece, which we'll come to later. Uh, oh. But beforehand, but just better describe the dynamic. Like I say, I mean, you you're just running and shooting, but the, where the uh, the core gameplay mechanic lies in is in your weapon system. Hmm. First of all, you get the choice of a free or fixed shot. Uh, free shot as the the, the name suggests means you can run around while shooting makes you a bit more manoeuvrable mm. and the other one is fixed shot where you, you stand still while you're shooting uh, but you have like a slightly larger uh, amount of directions to choose from in your shooting range yeah I mean I didn't think it was going to make a huge difference because it's like you know given the option of running and shooting or staying until you're obviously going to take running mm-hmm. but one of the, the sort of the, the parts we did on two player was you're coming down the side of a pyramid mm-hmm. and all the enemies are sort of diagonally up and left from you which obviously means to shoot them, you have to move towards them too. So that's where I was kind of like, ah, right. Yeah, that's so where it comes no, in. Ah, yeah, you also find it with like a lot of the bosses, there's like sweet spots around the screen that you want to be standing in to mm. sort of shoot and not be shot back at. You can shoot eight ways as well, which is... That's true. It's so good. it's, uh, yeah, so there's... Um, there are, there are advantages and there are disadvantages. There are, there are. Choose the style that shoots you best. There are many disadvantages to two-player in general, I felt, though. There are, there are, but uh, I, I, feel we should, I feel we should talk about the good stuff first. Okay, we, we okay. Should, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things about the, uh, the weapon system is that um, there are f- like each player has like two sort of gem slots and there's four different types of shot that you have. Mm. So you start with one, you've either got um, force, which is a rapid-fire shot, Lightning, which is a sort of laser shot. Uh, fire, which um, is fire. Fire, which is, oh, no way. But the, its gimmick is that it's very powerful, but only over a short range. Mm. Uh, and uh, homing, which is a homing uh, beacon, which will send your bullets all the way to the nearest enemy. I think we uh, we both like the turbo fire laser, to be uh, honest. We did. Now, that comes in because you have two slots for each of these, and you can start to combine them in different ways. Right. So not only have you got like the, the single versions of each of those four bullet yeah, types if, if you take two of those it just really up, upgrades yeah yeah. so you're, like, your rapid fire will become like a constant stream rather than ah. bursts of rapid fire uh, you get a bit more range on your flamethrower if, you, if you've got two of those etc but if you combine them so if you've got rapid fire and lightning then you get like a rapid firing rapid laser lightning. which yeah we, we definitely enjoyed that that gives you like a really nice mm. burst of, uh, of flame but you know there's, there's other ways to go you can go combine homing and flame now like I said Flames have got a short range, but if you use the homing, that means that your wee burst of fire will go and sort of hover in the nearest enemy and like sort of kill them quite quickly because it's a stronger homing bullet. The thing I would say is like 
is is sort of I like I like the weapon system. It's a really good idea, but I didn't feel it particularly makes much of a difference because there's like I mean, one thing I'll say about this game is there's so much going on. Like, many, I don't I don't know enemies. if there are I don't know if there are more enemies in two player mode or not. Nope, no, I think it's the same amount. It's <laughs> but just I mean, with, even with any weapon in any configuration, you're going to be kicking serious amounts of ass anyway. There's a lot of killing things going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. This is the things that Treasure did. They did bullets and they did movement on a 2D plane and this has lots of them. You are spraying boats around like nobody's business. Mm. And, uh, oh, God, so much fun. So much fun just being in the centre of that maelstrom. It was. We had a lot of fun with it until we reached a certain a certain part. Yeah, because I was describing so This is why stages. we didn't talk about the rest of the stages. We, we've, we've been holding off on discussing stage four. Because stage four, which... Um, Mr. Black is the uh, is the enemy of it. As you're as you're told by your mentor professor who introduces you to each stage in turn, Mr. Black has created a silly dice maze. Silly dice maze. So uh, you get in, you've got your initial part of the stage, which is the same sort of run and shoot and get into his base. And once you're in there, you're presented with like a, a board game and a dice that mm. you have to twirl and you land on different spaces which warp you to miniature stages. A lot of them are um, uh, like little puzzles that you have to solve in a certain time frame. Uh, a lot of them are puzzle. A couple of them are puzzles. A most of them are fighting bosses. Yeah, most of them are fighting bosses. You also get little rooms where you pick up uh, health or, or mm. can change your weapons. But yes, most of them are fighting bosses. There are some problems with this. When Nickel explained it to me, I was like, that sounds great. And in one player, I'm sure it was great. But there are a couple of reasons why in two player it sucks. For starters, the whole time we played through it, like we, we had to go back and do this a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, when you when you die, you have to go back and do it all again. Yeah, you have to go to the start of Which, the board game. again, in one player would be fine, but that's where we get to the issues. There's about 20 spaces or so mm-hmm. on the board game, and the whole time we were playing it, the dice did not go above three. Yeah, it makes progress quite slow. But again, this is already... Not, the, it didn't go above three, not once. There was not a four... I'm not even complaining about sixes, there wasn't even a four. It does make progress quite slow, but again, this this is all right in one player. Yeah, yeah, Because, um, like, even if you're only getting threes, 20 spaces, it means you're going to get about six, seven stages before you get to the end. The problem is, in two-player, you don't both warp into that spot. It's like you're playing against each other. So that makes the whole (laughs) exercise twice as long. Yeah, and... If one of you is unfortunate enough to get the hardest bosses and never get any of the health power-ups, it means you're quite likely to die. I mean, you're both right back to the Funnily start of the enough, board game. Funnily enough, it did game. happen to us, and it did kill our momentum and our enjoyment <laughs> when it came to playing that game, which is unfortunate. Which is a shame, because uh, like the rest of the game, there are a lot of very inventive bosses in there. You've got the uh, the soldier minion, who's about five pixels oh, high, but still runs game. towards you and throws you. You've got, um, uh, what was it called? Mr. Melon? <laughs> Red Melon? Oh, Melon, melon Bread. Melon Bread, the which big, is the big floaty... Floaty clown face. Yeah, he doesn't do much except sort of uh, all the question why. All the stages we landed on in the board game, they're all pretty good. It was just the fact that we had to do them again. Mm-hmm. It took ages. There is a problem with the two-player dynamic in general uh, in the game because, um, or at least we had a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we're terrible at it, but there is a mechanic as well as like both of you being able to shoot. Um, you can throw each other at the enemies, which does cause quite a bit of damage, and it is quite useful. But it's activated just by pressing fire where you're near your counterpart. And the minute you are near your partner, like you don't even need to be touching. You just need to be near one another. The minute you press shoot, 
you're going to throw the other, the other one across the screen. And this is made even more frustrating by the fact that the two characters look so similar yeah, that you don't know who's been thrown, you don't know where you are on the screen. It just leads to a lot of general confusion. Yeah, the two gun stars are basically identical except for the colour of their like neckerchiefs. Mm. It's like their palette swaps of each other. And it can get a, a little bit confusing. And it, on the stage where you're fighting um, M. Bison on the wings of a plane... Really, can really frustrating because that throw can throw you off, off the plane, the eat up a whole chunk of your vitality, and cause you to die and lose and fall out and never speak and to course, each other again. And once you lose all your vitality, you don't have lives. Yeah, and this is such you just have you have one life. You You've have got your, a health bar, a health bar, and once that's gone, that's you gone. So, yep, back See, to the start. The back to the start. Back to the start. But look, it. It is fun, but oh, yeah. really derailed. It's, it's amazing. We, I think we both just feel that two-player detracted from the overall experience of it. And it also means we never got to see possibly yep. the most exciting level. Yeah, there, there are latter stages. Once you've completed the, the four levels that you can choose in any order, there's a fifth level, which is kind of the same sort of run-and-gun stuff. And then at the end of that, the big bad escapes into space. So what do you do when a bad guy escapes into space? You get in your spaceship you get in your and you go after it. And a real killer that we didn't get to play it, partly because we love shmups, Aye. and partly because there is an interesting sounding two-player dynamic in it, Aye. in that um, one player pilots the ship and controls like the forward-firing gun, and there's like a eight-directional gun turret on there as well that the second player um, uh, controls. And there's also, like, you get like sort of speed boosts by timing the way you press uh, jump while you're playing it, but mm. if both players hit jump at the same time, you get an extra boost or thing like that. It, it sounds cool, and when I've watched it on YouTube, it looks great, but um, sadly, sadly, Silly Dice Maze got right in the way of us ever We could have done it. Silly Dice Maze too, it just, the dynamic didn't work for two-player, and it, we, it came, it was the last game we played, yeah. so I think we were just like, oh, oh come on. <laughs> so that was kind of unfortunate, but in, in no way makes me think that Gunstar Heroes is not an amazing game. It's Because superb. what we did play of it, it's just, so so good and as a one player game I don't imagine there are you know for the kind of thing that you just stick on and have like a quick shot of like a sort of bite sized kind of gaming yeah exactly like, because you can one, pick one of those, the best yeah. Mega Drive because you can pick those uh, levels in any order yeah, in any it's order, very yeah. modular and uh, and you know it's not bad fun in two player it's just a little bit of oh, it's just a little bit better doesn't quite work um, so I mean, if folk want to play it, which they absolutely should, how how do you do that these days? Uh, well, it's actually really quite readily available. It's on sort of PSN and uh, XPLA at the moment. Um, mm. Apparently there is a slight handicap in it in that um, in the original there is a dynamic where um, in two-player mode, if one of you died, uh, they could come back into the game by hitting start and it would half the vitality of the remaining player so you could continue in two-player. Apparently that, that mechanic's gone from the... Okay. Uh, from the online versions and you know if one player dies and the other one just has to soldier shoulder 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 on shoulder on without shoulder on Uh, but there is apparently also a very good Game Gear version for uh, all of you out there Uh, Uh, oddly enough you're not you're not not, uh, desperately looking for another game for your Game Gear there Barry nah nah pass okay so in the end we do recommend this game maybe not as a two player one though or maybe not as a two-player with somebody that you're not completely comfortable with Just hating. Just Denny plays Silly Dice Maze and you'll be alright, like. Yeah, but then you'll never get to play the shmup. So, that was Gunstar Heroes. What are we going to do next? <laughs> We're going to talk about a very hard game indeed. <laughs> we sure are.
the second time this year I have opted to talk about a Ganbari Goemon game. This time, Ganbari Goemon 2, Kiteretsu Shogun Maginesu, translated as Let's Go Goemon 2, The Strange General McGuinness. Frorish pronunciation. Alright, I wanted to do this one because it's a 2D one, uh, very different from uh, Mystical Ninja Starring, which I discussed earlier. Um, this came out in 1993, made by the glorious Konami, kings of the platform game at that time, um, for the Super Nintendo, although technically for the Super Famicom, because it never saw a release outside of Japan. Um, interestingly, the first one did, uh, Legend of Mystical Ninja, which is even available on the Virtual Console, if you can believe that. I see me. But the main reason we talked about this one is because we can get two of those lovely little Goemon characters to right most of the side-scrolling Goemons are two-player um, and this is a particularly difficult one um, well, well we'll set the scene a bit first uh, after rescuing Princess Yuki and saving Edo in the first game uh, Goemon and Ebisamaru decide to take a vacation at the Ryuku Resort with their robot ninja pal Sasuke his, uh, his second appearance but his first appearance as a playable character All right. he was a, a boss in the previous game uh, oh, Sas- been rehabilitated <laughs> pretty much he's, he's a robot reprogrammed shall we say <laughs> um, Sasuke tells them that Japan's been threatened by the western general McGuinness which for those of you not in the know about history is a not so subtle allusion to Commodore Matthew C. Perry who was one of the key figures in opening Japan to the west sorry via- I thought you said that they were being threatened by the western general that Hospital <laughs> Being threatened by the Western General for bad health care. No, no, I'm joking. I love the NHS. So I, um, Matthew C. Perry, Convention of Kanagawa, 1854. A bit of Japanese history, a parody of that, if you will. Um, so General McGuinness is here to westernise Japan with his army of bunny men, and it's up to Goyman, Ebisamaru, and Sasuke to stop him. Um, this, I said that this game marks the debut of Sasuke, it also marks the debut of Impact. First time going on Impact was a thing. Um, in terms of how this plays, it's like I say, it's a 2D platformer. Um, the game has an overworld map, similar to your Mario games at the time, mm-hmm. um, where the levels are arranged into worlds, but each world contains a mixture of your normal kind of action stages, um, towns, which are a bit more RPG-ish. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a big thing with these Goemon games, those little RPG elements where you visit the towns to gain totally. items. We'll get to the we're towns, don't you worry. Having, having yen in your pocket is very important. No, we, we learned that the hard way. Um, action stages, towns, castles and giant robot stages, all of which we'll, we'll discuss briefly. Um, each playable character will control in slightly differently, as you know. Some people have a Ebisamaru who you went and I went he's, Sasuke, who's big and strong, uh, but, but has a, bit a terrible slow jump. And can he jump? Uh, Sasuke is weaker, but has a very high jump. Each character they, they can attack with either a short range melee weapon, uh, which can be upgraded through picking up certain items, hmm. or projectile weapon, which is the smart choice but uses coins. Yep. And you need coins. And you need yen in your pocket. For the towns. The towns, as you were saying, add some RPG elements to the game. Um, you can talk to characters and how you can go into their houses and talk to them about mm. stuff. Um, pick up clues about what to do next. You can also visit shops, uh, buy stuff like food, armor, items that restore your health when you've died. Um, there's also inns, hot springs, that sort of thing. Um, like I said, each, each world ends with a castle and a boss fight. Um, yeah. the, the castles... The level design in this I'm a big, big fan of. 
Um, Eventually, yeah. I mean, it starts it breaks like pretty you vanilla, in. but um, the first the first world really breaks you in. But I think all the castles are all all have like the really unique settings. Yeah. Like the the castles we played that I like the most is there's one where you bounce around on taiko drums. Yeah. And stuff like you jump into a sort of an abyss and you have to button bash to make these fans. But keep the mechanics of those taiko drums is important. So if you just bounce on them, you've got a small jump. But what you've got to do is time you're uh, holding down the jump button mm. to give yourself a further reach across the gaps and things like that we lost um, a lot of life yeah but you know the nice thing about it like the other gomon games for people who are proper into japan and that is uh, all these levels are proper into japan yeah well like, sort of themed around like food or culture or music well that castle with the drums was themed around kabuki theater yeah. which was really cool but yeah the food castle too where there's a section you're like in a giant fryer getting attacked by tempura. Yeah. And you have to jump on tofu blocks. Well, tofu blocks are going through tofu shredders, so if you miss time it, you'll end up going through the shredder and dying. Dying happens quite a lot. Mm. The castles are like the most fun, I think, the castles. The platforming stages are really hard, really frustrating. There's a lot of like... Mm. swinging platforms and timing jumps and it's really unforgiving like it, you have to be pixel perfect mm. and it's difficult to um alter your trajectory when on the fly so uh yeah yeah you have to be really on top of that the action there are, there are diff- there are a lot of ideas that sort of run through different action stages though like we played one where you're on the back of a dragon yeah. It's an auto scroller, and you have to like jump onto the dragon and off the dragon at certain times. Yeah, and if you miss it, then you fall into the depths of the ocean and uh, die. Dying again, dying again happens. And there's a level where you roll down a hill on a giant snowman's head, which we never got to, mm. but I've played a lot of times, and it's incredibly Sounds good fun. Sounds difficult. Um, I mean, there's enough level diversity in it for me. It was why I've played it so many times. Why mm. I kept going back to it beyond childhood. Um, you get wee vehicles in the levels too, which are kind of silly. Like yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, like car. The, the, there are a lot of uh, a lot of vehicles in there, and the actual dynamic of being in those vehicles isn't that different. But like the the designs of them are so much fun and so different. I mean, the first ones you pick up are sort of weird flying fish that oh, hop right. along, and then water right the water table rises from the bottom, and suddenly they're in their element. And the the bubble car, which just makes a weird sort of <laughs> noise as it well, spits good. bubbles. Just highly dangerous bubbles. You get incredibly dangerous explosive bubbles, and then an ogre punches up the bridge that you're on. And oh, oh yes, there is a lot happening. In there this are a game. lot of fresh ideas. There's not a lot that repeats itself. I mean, think of the, the even the variants and backdrops we saw in the three worlds we played. Pretty much every level had a different. Think of the variants in uh, Konami cameos that happens throughout the game too right there were a lot of cameos um, we, we saw Simon Belmont Sparkster Sparkster's in this game that's why this is the best game we've ever he spoken about is. on this but there podcast are, Sparkster Sparkster mate I love Sparkster there are Snatcher and Twinbee cameos too but perhaps the best one is um, the, the last secret level in this game is hell is hell literally hell and you fight Castlevania Dracula at the end of hell nice. he is the secret boss it is awesome um, the mech battles that we discussed in mm-hmm. the previous Goemon game we talked about are also in this um, the same and kind weirdly, of same exactly kind of format, the same yeah, yeah. yeah where you destroy a town although you can see the villagers running in terror in this one it's attempting to be a moral quandary until you just realise that there's nothing else to do except smash their houses for precious oil. They play two-player. That player, might though. be a, a Western 
uh, comment as well. <laughs> Quite possibly, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of um, like there's there's little snatches in the enemies of like little Western imagery to sort of continue that theme of mm. like um, cultural encroachment that you're fighting ah, against. Like you fight against boss. the Terminator boss and stuff right. like that. It's pretty good. The mech battles control two player in this as well. You control like one side of the mech each. In yeah, terms you've of got the your like left or right arm depending on which one you're in, and it, like, it's it's great fun. I'm going to say I don't. Th- think you necessarily get a lot out of it being two player other than just having your mate with you you absolutely do because when one of you dies in two player you briefly respawn as like Ebisomaru respawns as a balloon yeah and you can fly away in one player every time you die you go back to the map screen oh right okay in that case that's a big thing so think how many times we were saved by one of us fell down a hole yet you have enough continue. overlap where the other one can still continue. Let, let's not sugarcoat this, Barry. How many times I fell down a hole and you continued? We saw the game over screen a lot of times. Yeah. For some reason, there are two different game over theme songs as well. Yeah, we can't tell whether... Like, all the text is in Japanese, so I can't tell whether or not it's... One, one's congratulations, one, one's, one's like, like... You're so close! Aye, it's like... Gen- sort of smooth jazz version. Aye, aye, General McGuinness in front of, like, a flaming backdrop while it plays, like, some weird Hawaiian dirge. It's like... Yeah. Pretty good, uh, but one of the interesting things about the the co-op is um, you do get the option to sort of piggyback on each other, which we discovered by accident. Yeah, but it's it's a good dynamic because um, especially on like the really precise platforming levels with moving platforms, um, you know, obviously when you've got two characters on screen at once, like that sort of limits the movement of the screen, and one of you's way ahead and the other is right. way behind. That can get difficult. So. But when you piggyback, obviously it's only one person jumping and the other person takes care of the fighting. Uh, and it seems to power up your projectile it weapons does, as well. It does, makes a massive difference. Something that there's a lot of in this is mini-games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you play a platform game, you expect level after level after level. But this is like a couple levels followed by a town. And the town will often have these mini-games in it. Um, we played like a sort of two-player pairs yeah. kind of mini-game. And there was a pairs. weird where you were like a, a blue devil fighting a red devil at a ping pong table with bazookas. Perhaps the most interesting minigame though was um, Konami actually ported the first level of an arcade only shmup called Zexx into the game, which this is the only place outside of the arcades that you could play this game. Um, and it's only one level and it's incredibly hard, but weirdly <laughs> it's in there. You go into a wee Japanese like house, tatami mats and that, and there's a giant Konami-branded TV that you can play the, the first level of uh, ZXX on. In the first Mystical Ninja game, that was a level of Gradius. Oh, right, nice. So that's uh, something that they've continued through. But yeah, we played this, for anyone wondering, uh, we played this Gunstar Heroes um, via RetroArch, which is a... Uh, a modular multi-system emulator available for a variety of platforms. If you own a platform, you can probably get it. You can get it for Android, iOS, anything. Uh, you can visit libretro.com to check that out. So I um, I just want everyone in the world to play every Goemon game, basically. He really does. You should see his eyes. They're welling up. So good, man. So good. So I, this takes us on to the, the final game, another Konami effort, which is, of course... Turtles in Time!
Turtles in time. Turtles in time. They're heroes on a half shell. On? I thought it was in. No, they're... Uh, yeah, I know. I don't oh, know. there he is! There he is! The big comic book man doesn't even ken the catchphrase. Heroes on a half shell. Well, I thought I thought they were on a half. Sh- what? It's a pun on Venus on the half shell, which is like the the famous painting of the Venus de Milo standing like holding her tits, standing in a in a clam shell. But I don't know whether the song says on a half shell or in a half shell. But that's the thing because they're not in half shells. They've got shells in their, in their stomachs as well. So what about these so what heroes about, in slash on a half shell? In and around the half shell. Well, in the summer of 1992, Konami programmed uh, the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game subtitled Turtles in Time. and uh, Known as Turtles 4, though. Turtles 4. Well, Turtles 4, when it... See, wait a minute. I've written down my notes wrong because it, it was uh, September 1991. It came out in the arcade and then the following summer... It came to the Super Nintendo as Turtles 4, ah. Turtles in Time. And the reason was because it was the fourth home game available after three NES games. But, um, yep, it is... You know what this sort of game is. It's a Streets of Rage-alike scrolling beat-em-up where uh, you move from left to right and a plethora of enemies drop in your way and it's up to you as those radical dudes hmm. to uh, hit them in the face until they blow up and... Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a it great a lot game. Of fun. It's really good. It's um yeah, I mean it, it's no more sophisticated than a Streets of Rage, I would say, a couple of levels, but um lots of character in it, lots of lovely little animation touches. Music. Good sense of humor, the great music. music. Well good music. Um uh, yeah, what else can you say about a scrolling beat 'em up? This uh, the port itself is actually quite interesting because it's um it, it's quite expanded from the original arcade. Mm. Um, like there's a whole like the first Technodrome level just wasn't in the arcade at all. All oh, right, and you can really t- that sets up the entire premise though. Yeah, about absolutely. the turtles in time. Like. Yeah, well, like the, the the actual story that you get in the game is that Shredder has stolen the Statue of Liberty. Just why? Just just once. Later on, you find it just basically on display in the Technodrome, and that's. That's a that's a perfect turtles cartoon plotline. Just steal the Statue of Liberty, but the turtles vow to get it back. So the first few levels of them sort of like wandering through the streets of New York to find the Technodrome, uh, and when they finally do, Shredder escapes. Uh, well, Shredder pumps them into a time portal to try and get rid of them. <laughs> pumps them into a time portal. <laughs> Sucked off through time. Totally. Uh, and uh, they, time portals are so filthy, man. Yeah, absolutely. Dirty wise, um, but yeah, and then the turtles have to fight their way back through various eras, back to the well, to the future, and then back to the present day. Aye, straight strange eras. What's like prehistoric? Yeah, two hundred and fifty million years. Two hundred and fifty million. Apparently, BC. even though there are velociraptors in it who are actually in the Cretaceous period, which was sixty-five million years ago. I think you have to be more concerned about the fact that there's a mountain that has the likeness of Shredder on it. Well, <laughs> you know, explicably in two hundred fifty million BC. I think it's quite explicable when you realise there's foot ninjas about. You know, if you're going to send them two hundred fifty million years back, what are you going to do? What are you so going to do? Get carving. Learn how to ride velociraptors. <laughs> yeah, going to carve a mountain. Well, more disturbing than that is like the pteranodons who are from the Jurassic era, not the Cretaceous. Um, like, what am I dropping boulders Easy at you? Alan that? Grant. <laughs> nice. Although you look more like Ellie. <laughs> yes. Um, pteranodons dropping boulders at you that explode on contact with everything. Mm. Odd. And there's still pizza lying around in 250 million years BC. That's good. Uh, but yeah, um, all those levels are from the arcade, and you can tell because they're 
short and very concise left to right. Yeah. The Technodrome level is a more sort of home basis where it's got the left to right bit and then there's a boss and there's a left. A left. There's totally. a left with people dropping down. And then there's another really inventive boss with Shredder. Like one of the th- wow factors of this uh, arcade was that uh, sometimes when you're beating up uh, soldiers, you'd throw them into the screen and the sprites would scale and get really big. And then the home version took that and ran and created a boss where, like, Shredder's sitting in a... sort of piloting a weird glass thing with, like... Mounted cannon. Grabby tentacle arms. um, And you've got to throw the soldiers into the screen to hit him and uh, take down his energy. And that's when he... uh, pumps you into the time portal mm-hmm. in a rage it was a uh, four player in the arcade it sure was it was one of those uh, cabinets that had like individual joysticks for all four and uh, each port was assigned to a specific turtle um, like Goemon each of the turtles has their own thing uh, Raphael's the quickest with his side but he takes the most damage easily Donatello's mm. the slowest but he's got a lot of range with his bow staff uh, and Michelangelo's a party dude Too right, yes. which, uh, which is very useful uh, yeah, uh, they added a lot of bosses. Um, the bosses not, are really cool. The bosses are from pretty across good. the whole sort of turtles spectrum. Mm. Um, like the the third level in the SNES port is um, sort of surfing in a sewer on like uh, sort of hoverboards. In the arcade, this was a full uh, level. Um, in this, it's more of a bonus level. So the enemies that come towards you on surfboards are like one hit kills, and the idea is to rack up points and avoid things uh, before facing off a final of boss. Monsters. Yeah, which pizza. look a lot like Xenomorphs. They sure do. And uh, then you fight the Rat King on a kind of sewer surfer thing, which looks a lot like Vic Viper for some reason. Konami. <laughs> so basically, like you fight Konami. the Rat King fighting, yeah. uh, riding on Vic Viper. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, Konami it's giving bad. me something that I love. Totally. How dare you? Um, yeah, but it, like in the original, uh, in the arcade, the, um, all the enemies like take their full hits. Like you know, yeah, like cool. it's like you know, five or six hits to kill a foot soldier, and Rat King isn't at the end of it. And uh, it was in good company. This game, we're saying like uh, the other Konami. Arcade games of this style, like the X Men one, the X Men Sim- Simpsons arcade game. Yeah, Simpsons arcade was amazing. Well, what a belter! What a belter! And uh, the X Men one, very good as well. For years, basically the only good Marvel comics video mm. game at all. Oh, God, this has some lo- quality mode seven in it as well. This game, yeah, oh that yeah, surfing yeah. level, yeah, well, non- well, futuristic surfing. You're on, yeah, yeah. So like the F zero, the um the time uh, frames that you go through after you've uh, survived 250 million years BC, uh, and the final boss in that one is Slash, the uh, mutated snapping turtle, who is easily the hardest difficult. part of the game. Because he fights like a turtle, but with like big spikes and he can block. And, oh, oh, he's so unfair. Uh, and then you go into pirate times uh, on a big pirate ship uh, with Rocksteady and Bebop oh, and pirate gear. That's an interesting variation from the arcade. In the arcade, those bosses were a uh, Talker and Razar, who you may remember from Turtles Two: Secret of the Ooze, oh. the uh, sort of turtle Kappa-looking monster in the dug. You fight them in the Technodrome in this one. Yeah, that's right. They're they're uh, shitting at the Technodrome so we can get Rocksteady and Bebop and Pirate Gear onto onto the pirate ship, Mm. which I think is a bold design choice and one that is Uh, a very much support. Um, Then what was that? Oh, it's the Western one on the train Mm. uh, with the excellent uh, horse hoof noises as the foot soldiers go past you and... uh, and then that's when you go straight to the future, isn't it? Future to your mode seven F zero level. Yeah, yeah. Only like on into the screen. Yeah, I think that might have been added from the. Uh, Certainly arcade. seems like it would have been. Yeah, because it's it's all 
like it's it's an advert for this NES's capabilities. And then uh, finally, you're back into the present day to fight um, like Dragon Ball Z Shredder. Is super Super Shredder's a thing, eh? Is that Super Shredder? Yeah, I think so. Then you, you hit him, and if, like, because you did it on the easy level, you get Splinter chiding you. Totally, for, to play it on normal. We didn't play it on normal, but we checked out at the end, and you'll be pleased to know that the greatest vehicle ever, the Turtle Blimp, puts in an appearance. You get to return the Statue of Liberty. Liberty. Yeah, the, the Turtle Blimp, you'll be pleased to know, is capable of hoisting and transporting the Statue of Liberty. I think we have Ghostbusters too to thank for that, that period in history where just the Statue of Liberty was in everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's based on an arcade game, so it won't take you very long to uh, play through the lot of it, but you will have a whale of a time, Aye. and this is one definitely better as two players. If you ever watched Turtles as a kid as well, it's going to be such a nostalgia thing for you. Like, If you like brawlers at all, this is this is a great example. I Aye, mean, a game like, maybe doesn't have quite the intricacies of some of the, the modern ones, but then I think the intricacies that they put into like the modern ones, like the three D ones that you get in sort of like PlayStation Two era, I think that kinda I kinda gets in the way of the fun. Mm-hmm. Like I prefer Streets of Rage two much more to any of the oh, I can't even remember what any of the modern brawlers are called. What are they called, Barry? Streets of Rage seven. That's the one, yeah. Didn't like that at all. Aye. Um It's well good though. I wish there was a four player an, an easily playable four-player version. Um, yeah, well, I'm not sure there is. Um, does the current? Does the there's a there's an HD version that came out in 2009 on PSN about that. I've not played it, but I I don't recall it getting a glowing reception. Uh, yeah, well, um, <laughs> my my notes here say uh, reshelled PSN XBLA 2009 May based on the arcade version so it doesn't have all the extra stuff like the Technodrome level uh, the Rockstead and Bebop they oh, aren't right. in there it's like the enhanced graphics based on like the level structures of the arcade version that's a bummer so I think that was like most people's thing because the vast majority of people have experienced this the SNES game and they sort of went well, where's, where's my Technodrome where's my mousers bummer so um, there you go that, that wraps up our, our co-op play yeah, for the I think, afternoon then. I think what we, uh, I think what like the biggest takeaway from this is just that nostalgia for something that I think's been lost in the demise of the arcades. Mm. Of like the thing about crowding around the, a cabinet is that you're right there with mm. like the guy who's your your partner or in most cases your rival if you're playing like a, a Street Fighter or something like that. And it's so much better playing, getting multiplayer in close proximity to people than it is online. Yeah, absolutely. So much better. The rivalry and the, in, the intenses. And like one of the, the great things about co-op arcade gameplay is that if your partner messed up, not only did you have to restart a level, it cost you money. Aye. And you introduce money, that's when rivalries get real. I'm glad money wasn't on the line when we were playing Goyman. Like, that could have... Uh... Yeah, that could have ended this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, what well, we'd like to hear from you in the, in the future, if like you can always email one more go podcast at gmail dot com and tell us your stories yeah, of co op gameplays. What did we miss? What did we miss that that you would have us play? We did have a fairly extensive list before we started this oh, of really things did. that could have also been in play, including shmups, vert shmups. And it's kind of a shame we didn't manage to to fit one of those in. One of those title ones. We did have an afternoon of playing the Twin B collection on Saturn a couple of weeks ago, though, when, yeah. when Mickey Gamezilla was here. And that was a lot of fun. Don't mention Mickey Gamezilla. They were just sitting there going, oh, God, I wondered why this podcast oh. was so much worse than the last one. Yeah. Don't flatter him. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> um, bye. So, in the spirit of Christmas, 
Um, we've got a wee giveaway for you. We're, well, I'll say a wee giveaway. It's a huge giveaway. So, Such um, an important prize. Sorry, I'm just going to go and have a word with Santa the new and make sure that he's uh, he knows what's up. Back in a wee minute. Back in a wee minute. Or is that Terry Thomas? I don't know. Who's <laughs> Terry Thomas? Terry Thomas is like, oh, hello, ding dong. That's that Terry was, Thomas. I thought that was just a voice that people do. No, no, he was a very famous actor in the 50s. He was in all the St. Trinian's movies. The 50s, just because you were alive and in your teens in the 50s, Nicole. Ding That's dong. it, shake those bells. Tell all the listeners about what we're going to do for them. We're, we decided that the question we asked this month, whatever one, we, whatever one was our favourite, we were going to give away a very, very special video game related prize. I just realised Terry Thomas is the voice of Gex. How can you uh, not? <laughs> oh, how can you not know who how voices Gex? you not be Gex? completely on top of that? <sighs> anyway, let's get this podcast back on track. Yes, yes. So as we were saying, massive Christmas giveaway. We've, uh, I'm not going to lie, we're giving away something that I've had for a long time and don't want anymore. So it's video game related, though. We are drum roll, please, Nickel. We are giving away a copy of Parasite Eve, Yay. but not the video game Parasite no. Eve. The book Parasite. You might Eve. like the video game. You, like like a young Barry, might have thought, I'll get the the Parasite Eve, I'll get the book that the game's based off, because that'll be really good. What are the themes of the video game that made you think that the original story might be interesting? Kind of survival horror with RPG elements, magic and... And what are the the themes of this? Hideaki Senna's Parasite Eve is half a tentacle hentai porno and half a science textbook. It's it's the worst fan fiction written by a physics student who has never had sexual intercourse, but has some pretty interesting ideas about how body horror folds into the whole functions of the vagina. If you are a body horror fetishist, you are going to be crossing your fingers to win this. So, yeah. uh, but luck, I mean, don't take our word for it. We got a, a very good friend of ours to do a dramatic reading of one of the climactic scenes of the book. So uh, take it away, Mechagamezilla. Parasite Eve. Hideaki Sena. A fetus. Sounding the joys of its new existence. Toshiaki could not breathe. A moment later, blood poured out from Mariko's vagina, rust-coloured and thick as mud, staining her inner thighs. This was followed by a gush of amniotic fluid. It spilled over from the autopsy table onto the writhing mass that was Eve 1. Anzai gulped. Toshiaki grabbed him by the shoulders and blocked his view. This was not a sight for any father's eyes. With its own hand, the fetus tore away the placenta, coiled around it, and ripped off the umbilical cord, then turned face down. Its hands let go of the table, and it propped itself up, Throwing back its head, two breasts swelled up from its chest and the hair appeared between its legs. Its hips smoothed out into voluptuous curves. Even the head was congealing into nearly perfect form. And yet, considered as a whole, 
This being was not merely perfect, it had gone beyond perfection. It surpassed human women, it surpassed humanity. It was not human, and it was unlike any other life form that had ever walked the earth. This was a life whose very purpose was to become woman, to express woman, to relish its being woman. It was perfect femininity. Standing before it, Toshiaki knew awe. It was too beautiful and yet grotesque. At the same time that he felt an intense sexual desire, he felt chills that made him nauseous. <sighs> that reading is exactly how Sena san that's the voice he had in his head when he was writing this. During the break there, we went away to check. What we couldn't remember is, like, is Hideaki Sena is a man or a woman? We discovered not only is Hideaki Sena, of course, a man, Hideaki Sena has a PhD. This is a real scientist. It should tell you something about us, though, that, you know, you heard every word that came out of Owen's mouth in that segment, and we were still like, that, that could have been written by a woman, right? Saw that going on about feminine. That's out of all the parts that we had on read. That was the part we were like, "This is the most unbelievable, yeah, horrendously written thing." It's the worst strong female character apology. Like you know, sort of going, "Ah, oh, no, she's totally in command of her destiny while she's wearing nothing and spewing." Well, this, I don't know. I don't know about you, but like when you think of a strong role model, you want someone that, as a newborn ripped its own placenta away with its own hands. That's that's what you want, like. Yeah, I would I would vote for that. Move over, Metroid. <laughs> I, I no angry you. letters about that, please. <laughs> right, so you will now be beside yourself on your train or in your house or in your uh, underground secret lab brewing up a perfect human being construct exudes femininity exactly you will be desperate to know was i the lucky one who answered the question and our question this month was it is the season of joy and togetherness so if you could choose anyone to partner up and help you play any game tell us who what and why graham white first of all uh, graham white xmas as he's known oh that's a good one uh, he said he'd team up with Ari No from Game Center CX just so we could bat our Magic Koopa together, which is a reference to the Super Mario World episode of Game Center CX, where I think Ari No loses about 200 lives to a Magic Koopa, which is a painful but painfully brilliant times. watch. And sounds a lot like our co op play today. That really does. Um, at uh, uh Russell the Reindeer. Someone ran out of characters with his Christmas name there. You're slurring words. <laughs> I'm just throwing syllables at you. But he does say, he probably, probably he, says uh, he'd want to play the iToy Ninja game with Jackie Chan or the window cleaning one. I just reckon it'd be a good laugh. That's pretty good. Recently searched for a picture of biggest sushi in the world on Google Images. And for some reason it was Jackie Chan holding it. Uh, appropriate no, I feel totally. uh, next uh, Let's Hug Bro says Awata Shigzi and Reggie on Mario 3D World is a given Yeah, I'd love to know if those guys were actually any good at games <laughs> they probably don't get a lot of time to play them you wouldn't have thought well but... Awata plays there's a Game Center CX thing where Awata briefly plays Balloon Fight nice but I think he was instrumental in the creation of Balloon Fight so <laughs> you expect him to be pretty good at it just, just Reggie I though I don't, re I don't reckon Reggie. Reggie's up to much like. but can you imagine the round entertainment of Reggie trying and failing at something you'd let him win he'd fucking leather you otherwise like. his body is ready uh. Chris Spann 
Power listener Chris Mann says, uh, Spike Milligan, any modern military FPS. That man can make World War Two funny. Imagine what he'd do with Summit Daft like Cod. Cod could do a bit of humour, really. It's a bit pole-faced. And everybody could do with a bit of Spike Milligan in their lives. Yeah. Uh, next up, Evil Ninja Phil. <laughs> I choose Zul to play Sonic 2 with, just to watch him cry with jealousy. That could have been me, man. Could have been me. I'm sure Zul's lamented over Sonic and Mario a few times. Strong contender there. Um, the thing is, though, if you're Zill, you're going to be like, I might not have been in a great game, but I got an endless supply of Chopper Chops. You're going to say, hey, mate, were you were you the face of the Amiga? <laughs> no. Didn't think so. Uh, Chris McCluskey says, uh, Goldeneye with Pierce Brosnan. Basically, any tie-in game with the actor is supposed to appear in it, just to see how long it takes them to recognise themselves. Particularly with Pierce Brosnan, I think. DK like, mode, but... DK mode? Aye, with the big heads and the big hands. Alright, okay. You know what DK mode is? Nah. Come on, Nickel. I didn't play it. I don't like FPSs. Come on now, Nickel. Um, McBee Pete. How's that again? I was like, mince bee pie tees. Yeah. McBee Pete next says, I'd pick No Stopping Epoch and Nickel Hay to go for a three-player sexy rampage and then three-player rampage at the arcades. That is a wonderful afternoon he's got planned for us. I will want to go to the arcade with Pete. Pete, make this happen. Thanks. Thanks. Next, Stuart Hour says, I'd play through Final Fantasy VI with whoever is in charge at Square Enix so they can remember what fun and joy is like. Preach, sister. I agree with this guy. Next up, we got Thomas uh, Lohengren. I don't know if that's how you say your Twitter handle. But, Lohengren. Uh, Nagisa Kaoru from Ava, of course. Everyone's favourite Bishy. Uh, he played Demon Souls so he could squeeze my hand and tell me everything's okay when things get tough. That's an excellent tweet, Thomas. But I have to say, you were skirting very, very close. Very, very close to Dark Souls. Very, in which case it wouldn't have been included. Yeah. If anybody, I don't know if anybody was foolish enough to say Dark Souls for anything, but you're not I getting rid I think there was about out. five Dark Souls answers. Like, you're not getting rid out. Tough. Uh, Sonic Mole next, talking about music that I don't know about. I would team up with Jackie Liebezite. Is that how you say it? Uh, to play Samba de Amigo. Why? Well, it's the drummer from Cannes playing Samba de Amigo. Beautiful. I don't know who Can are. Are they, are they from the 90s? Uh, almost. They're a 70s, I think, Krautrock band. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> this is possibly the most Sonic Mole tweet that Sonic Mole has oh, ever really? tweeted, combining uh, Krautrock and, and video games and uh, us, because he loves us. Cammy Tolman, who uh, has a wee picture of a dog with a Santa hat on, it's quite nice, um. says, uh, any of Peter Molyneux with him? And I'd be like, so uh, what happened here then? That's, that's not what you said would happen. It's sick burn. Cut to the quick. Sick burn. No, that that's what you want to do. So, uh, hi, Peter. Uh, this is the this is the game you said that would be uh, infinite polygons, infinitely scalable. You liar! I'd, uh, you liar! I'd play fucking curiosity with him and make him hit his own face off the <laughs> iPad. A Christmas boy, our good friend Guy Woodward says, I choose any other human being Aww. and any game. Oh, because I don't want to die alone. Oh, um, well, that's. I mean, it's a worrying tweet on many levels. They have, they have like Christmas helplines in that. You know, keep in there, guy. You might win a copy of Parasite. Eve. It's not all bad. Slime sex monster book could be yours, man. Before you know it, it your Christmas could take a U-turn. It's definitely not all good, but it's not all bad. Got a, a nice, a nice wee one here for uh, past the pixels. Um, he says. 
If I could, I'd go back in time and play through a whole bunch of PS1 games with my dad like it was the first time all over again. We played through FF7, Resi 1 and 2, Silent Hill, Tomb Raider and a whole pile of games from that era together. Some of my best gaming memories are sitting up late on a Friday night taking turns who held the walkthrough book and who played the game. Magic stuff. Hoping to rope him into playing with me on my first shot of Mario 3D World on Christmas Day. A lovely story. That's very nice. That's a very nice attempt to win some disgusting Japanese horror body porn. Totally. Is it good enough? Wonder. wonder if your dad knows you're exploiting your happy memories of him to win filthy tentacle sex book. Yeah, well, from what I know of Graham, I think this is probably the proudest his dad's ever been of him. So out of all of those, what do you think? Let's, uh, let's ask the snowy whales. Who's going to win the horrible porn book, Santa? It's Cammy Tillman! <laughs> Congratulations, Cammy. Your copy of Parasite Eve will be winging its way to you shortly. You've been a very lucky boy! Uh, you're about to become a whole lot naughtier. Um, so <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have to give one of us your address as well, though, which you may not be up for. So. <laughs> yeah. You can refuse this prize. If there's anyone out there that would really, really like this copy of Parasite Eve and doesn't mind making that known on a public forum right, then you know maybe you can negotiate with Cammy to get it off him but congratulations Cammy Tolman Merry Christmas you are in for a slimy Christmas as opposed to a white one yeah, I just hope we can get this out to you before December 25th so you can read it out to your family as you oh, around, around the table two, yeah. as you carve into the turkey as the, tur- <laughs> as it as, as the turkey rips its placenta away with its own hand Oh dear, but if you want to get in touch with us, um, if you want to follow us, you can If you've got even, even a letter that you want to send to Santa, just send it to us instead. Man. Absolutely, like I said earlier, you can email us uh, onemoregopodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at onemoregopod, yep. which is where uh, every month we throw out these questions that yep. you can answer. I can't guarantee there will ever be a prize ever again, let alone one as illustrious as uh, Parasite Eve, but uh, you never know. Our yeah, Twitter's a prize in itself. All our Tumblr content shows up there. So for, if you don't have a Tumblr and you still want to see you our still content. still want to see our, the gifts that I work very hard on. You do work very hard on those. Yes. Um, you can also follow each of us. I am at Nicole Hay, N-I-C-O-L-H-E-Y. I am at No Stopping Epoch. Which you don't need to spell because they're actual words. Yep. Um, you can follow the Tumblr on onemoregopodcast.tumblr.com and you'll get a steady stream of gifts and gorgeous video game-related content from all around the retro video game world. I, I said retro at the end there. Just to upset you. Sorry. It doesn't actually upset me that much. I'm, I know I might make a big deal about it. It doesn't bore me. Blame Ryan McLeod. It's Ryan McLeod that put the shitters up me about retro. You don't I just to want me. to please you, Ryan. <laughs> well, bastard. like Barry's going to have to go and have a wee lie down, but we'll we'll come back with some music for you. Tunes. So, Nickel, on this festive one more go, it's your turn to summon the cherubs from heaven to sing us a wee ditty. Yes, absolutely. And what I've picked this month um, is kind of a celebration of the fact that uh, out now on all your handheld devices, your your iOSs and your Androids and probably other phones as well. I don't know. Other other phones? phones? Nokia's. Nokia, uh, your your 3210s. You can now get Sonic 2, um, uh, the continuation of the... uh, 
the, someone told me a story the other day about he used to play in a hockey team with a guy that had so much excess foreskin that he could fit his foreskin around a 32-10. Listeners, this is not the story I was prepared for here. I thought Do you believe say, that? Because he claims he's seen it. I was waiting for you to say something. He played Snake until he died. I was expecting, you know, he got like a working version of Donkey Kong Country on his 3210. I did not expect foreskin chat. I'm going to tell you that right now. Could put his foreskin on his 3210. Sonic 2 has come out on uh, iOS and Android devices, and uh, I've not played it myself, but our uh, Sonic-obsessed friends, uh, such as Richie and Joe... All uh, two of them... <laughs> Have uh, have been uh, wetting themselves over it. and and Ross as well. He he oh, liked no, it. You're right, you're right. Um, so in honour of that, uh, I have to dig back into Sonic Two and the finest music in there mm. is the Hilltop Zone. Too right. Hilltop Zone is a, a particular favourite of mine. It was one of the tunes that have really stuck with me over the years. So was was this song the reason you started playing sax then? <laughs> um, not the reason I started, but probably the reason I kept going. Ah, of course, uh, of course. It's just so. Honestly, beautiful. No, I mean it's interesting. So, like, I mean, in the normal scheme of things, the MIDI voices that are used for well, any instruments, but saxophones in particular, are just I, I, horrific. Like, uh, pick up any mid nineties Yamaha keyboard and try and listen to the tenor sax without punting the keyboard through a window and then jumping after it to join it because all joy has just disappeared from the world. And it's pretty it's stinking. Difficult. But this, uh, this. Um, song might be the only recorded instance of acceptable MIDI voice saxophone. It's actually quite beautiful. Only on Mega Drive. Testament to the powers of Sega's 16-bit monster. Absolutely. But yeah, it makes it a cracking song. There's great, there's great MIDI bass, there's great MIDI drums, there's great right. MIDI saxophone. It's pretty great. Like. And it's just, uh, it's so catchy. And um, it's, it, I'd say it's almost annoying. It's right, right like, uh, it's a great song, but for people that maybe aren't that in it, I can see how it would be very, very annoying. It's the. Like, you're either into that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I, I mean, I love it. I'm just. Yeah. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here and say. That. Well, stop it. Okay. Stop it and just. It's a great tune. It's a pretty great tune. Just enjoy it, right? Well, that's coming up. I think. Well, you you decide, listeners. You decide whether or not this song's brilliant or Barry's an idiot. This is your Christmas present from Nichols, so you better enjoy it either <laughs> Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Um, well, I think that's us wrapped up for, for the year, for, for 2K13. You know, uh, at the start of One More Go, I remember we looked up at the, the Nintendo wall planner up there and yeah. we, we saw the bold claim at the top. Be, be prepared, prepared for, for what, what could be, be the greatest, greatest year in gaming, gaming history. history. Pretty bold claim, but... One that came true. It's been a pretty great year for games, like... I think we scoffed at that slogan. Yeah, absolutely. But Nintendo, well, certainly for Nintendo, this is the best year since, well, easily since '96. Possibly been a pr- since pretty great year, especially for 3DS owners, man. Yeah, we are. Um, unfortunately, next year's wall planner is a Staples branded one, so we'll have to come up with our own video game claim for the top of it. So I right, that about sums up. Uh, hopefully you all have a great Christmas, great New Year. Hopefully you get everything you want from Santa. Santa's going to be very good to you. Oh, 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 oh. It's, it's a bit, bit on the sinister side, like. <laughs> Santa's going to be very good to you. I've put Satsumas in your stocking. 
My Satsumas. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Merry Christmas.